No, like actually, like it, we're not gonna get this done if you keep laughing. Okay, go. Welcome to episode two of Smart Casual, the podcast where generation gaps and pop culture overlap. Hosted by Charlotte, the stay-at-home daughter and corporate law dropout, and my mum, Lexi, the alleged inspiration behind Matilda's Miss Honey and the biggest pop culture expert I know. Coming up on today's episode, we discuss the enigma that is the it girl. Who is she? What is she? And can she exist in a society where we post everything online and individuality is suppressed by algorithms and microtrends. But first, Mum, how was your week? Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Thank you very much, darling. Very uh, busy weeks, taking me right back to the beginnings of motherhood with our new puppy. Yes. He's worth it. Ban- Welcome to the family, Banjo. If you're listening. Uh, do you have any recommendations for us? My recommendation is uh, we saw last week... Kitty Flanagan live, her live show, and I recommend it to everyone. She's playing at the Enmore Theatre the 18th, 19th and 20th of May. Hilarious, laughed, laughed, laughed and highly recommend. Charlotte, have you got a recommendation this week? I do, actually. I've been reading Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed, which was given to me last year by one of my best friends um, when you and Dad separated, actually. It's not a new book. It was published in 2012 and it contains selected articles from her Dear Sugar Advice column. So it's one of those ones that it's like super easy to read, great to dip in and out of, but has great words of wisdom. Um, But they've actually made it into a TV show that was just released this year with Catherine Hahn, which was actually which kind of centers around her life during the period that she was writing this advice column where she was, I think, separating from her husband and things were a bit chaotic. Um, so I might need to watch that after I finish. So, Mum, what is an it girl? An it girl is a term that's been thrown around a lot, but to me an it girl is someone who is effortlessly cool that we really want to know a lot about who isn't after fame. So it's a little bit elusive. I think that is what uh, an it girl is. And she's a tastemaker of sorts. So we want to wear what she's wearing. We want to eat where she's eating. We want to own the dog that she has or date the boyfriend she has. That's She's sort of disinterested in in all of us, which makes her all the more appealing. They don't try very hard. It's effortless. That's an it girl. Or they want to give the appearance that they're not trying correct, hard. Correct, correct, exactly. Um, they're like the ultimate cool girl, really. Really, the first it girl, I think, was Clara Bow, who was a, or Clara Bow, sorry, who was a silent film star. So the term it girl came from Clara Bow's 1927 movie called It and they coined the term, went with the girl. She was gorgeous. She was a tastemaker. Everyone followed her bob haircut and her flapper dresses. After the movie, Clara became a big star and in the 1930s she disappeared and the phrase it girl disappeared with her for quite some time. Yeah, so I think she retired from acting completely by the early 1930s. So she had a very short-lived career, but she 
had a huge impact. She's still kind of known as the first it girl, it girl, and the first kind of movie star of um, movies with sound or talkies, as they called them. And she was famous more for her look than her acting ability, which is how we know the it girl. They're not famous for what they do. It's how they look. It's their style. Yes. The the less clear their occupation and their interest, the better. Like if they have their foot in 20 different projects, if, you know, they have friends from all walks of life, I think the whole idea is that you cannot pin them down. But the very essence of her is so attractive and so enticing to you as another woman, I think, that you want to replicate that and emulate that essence. But it's not about her clothes or what she has physically. It's something more... Elusive. uh, Yeah, enigmatic than that. That's right. So after um, Clara disappeared, the, the phrase sort of disappeared with her for a while, re-emerged in the 1960s big time and Edie Sedgwick was the it girl of the 60s. She was a muse for Andy Warhol. Uh, She had a very distinctive 60s look, very tightly cropped pixie platinum blonde hairdo, mini dresses, black tights. Part of the whole it girl thing is it's a look that ordinary girls can copy. So Mm. girls everywhere were cropping their hair and trying to look very boho and because it seems so chic, her standing around in uh, artists. In Andy Warhol's factory. Andy Warhol's factory leading the, the good life, meeting all these people and smoking cigarettes. She starred in, I think, 18 of Warhol's films, but then they fell out and um, sadly she she descended into that world of the 60s into drugs and she died really young at age 28. Yeah, and Andy Warhol, I think, was a tough old cat. So a New York Post asked him uh, after she kind of fell into oblivion and drug use and wasn't Warhol's muse, asked about her and he said, I don't really know where she is. We were really never that close, Mm. which reminds me of like, it's literally like that Mariah Carey, like, I don't know her, like I'm too famous. Yeah, exactly. But they fell out because she started, they were friends, they weren't romantic, but they fell out because she started dating Bob Dylan and stopped paying him attention. And I think Mm. Warhol was very obsessive and controlling. She was his, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was sad. Ali McGraw, who I don't know if your age group know Ali, but... I'd never heard of her before. She was an actress and actually rose to prominence in the 70s in the movie Love Story with Ryan O'Neill. Ali McGraw became an it girl in the 60s when she worked for the editor of Vogue at the time, the very famous Diana Vreeland, who is the supposed character that the devil wears prada well, that's anna wintour no well but anna wintour diana real and they're all the same beast yeah, true. and uh ali was the real anne hathaway doing all the the um grunt cr- work the grunt work the crap jobs for diana but she had this amazing style and again like edie it was things that any girl could copy so she became you know, underground famous, which most of those it girls were, 
and that launched her then into an acting career, quite a successful acting career, and she was one of the most famous people in Hollywood through the 70s. I think you you girls should Google Ally McGraw style. She was absolutely gorgeous and I think she could walk around today and be an it girl too. She was beautiful. I mean, you know, trends are cyclical. So people that have that mm. really great sense of personal style, I feel, do often transcend eras. I think with my generation being so environmentally conscious and having a real eye for sustainability in fashion, I think these it girls of the past, people are more interested in their fashion because we can go out and buy it secondhand from thrift stores. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that gets donated in estate sales and things like that from the 60s and 70s. For sure. The 70s also brought us the gorgeous Bianca Jagger, who really became an it girl from that one photo of the wedding to Mick. Mick Jagger, and she wore this stunning white Yves Saint Laurent suit and a hat, a big Great Gatsby style hat, and that that was enough. We really knew nothing else about her. <laughs> that she was married to a Rolling Stone. She, well, she was married to a Rolling Stone, but I honestly couldn't have told you anything more about her, but it was just that one well-placed outfit that made you want to know more because she wasn't famous in her own right. So it girl status achieved. Um, And also riding into Studio 54 on a horse like Lady Godiva. True, true. Like all the it girls were at at, um, Studio 54. Yes. For sure. Uh, The other one that fascinated me in the 70s was a girl called Marissa Berenson who really only the trivia buffs like myself would know. But, um, again... You young folk out there, Google her. She was stunning. She was from a wealthy background. Her sister was also beautiful, Barry Berenson. <laughs> what a name. And um, she she too became, well, she was from that wealthy background, but her grandmother was um, Elsa Schiaparelli. Have you heard of Schiaparelli? Yeah, of course. She's an Italian designer. Very famous designer. And Through her grandmother and her connections, she too uh, met up with Diana Vreeland, the um, Meryl Streep Vogue editor woman, who sort of caught a look at her beauty and her style. And uh, Saint Laurent, again, a, a bit of an it girl guy himself with Bianca Jagger, baptized her as the new it girl. Once again, Marissa was interesting because she didn't want to be famous. She was famous because she was stylish, she was elusive and uh, an interesting quote from her, she said, um, quite honestly, I don't understand it. I mean, it is still a mystery to me. I think it's probably a spark, something much deeper than what's on the outside, something that comes from within that just makes you vibrate on a different level. And I think that's a bit of crap, to be honest with you. I think it's about... She was rich and beautiful. I think she was well rich, connected in beautiful, the fashion world. well-connected and had that... Um, je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. And uh, that's why she was an it girl, but I was quite fascinated by her. But she was... That quote came very recently from an article by the cut so that's her reflecting back as a elderly woman 
on that time yeah, in her true, life. True. I'm being a bit harsh on Marissa, but yes, fake fan. It's hard to be an it girl when you're not the granddaughter of Elsa Schiaparelli. Let's be honest. This is true. Or the muse of Andy Warhol. Like you've got to get, particularly in those days before social media, you had to get on the zeitgeist somehow. You had to be. You had to get into that world. Correct. And obviously, if your grandmother is Elsa Schiaparelli, who is best friends with Diana Vreeland. That helps. Yeah, you're going to get on the cover of Vogue. Now, just one quick question for you. Was Marissa Berenson photographed by Slim Ahrens, the photographer, or am I thinking of another model? She was definitely – she wasn't a model, uh, and, yes, she was – photographed by him because she was a no, she was a, she wasn't model well yes yeah, she was i mean as they everyone is. she wasn't a career model like twiggy she was a someone who modeled because yeah she, she could. could people yeah she wasn't someone that modeled for her life i understand because mm. i feel like i've definitely seen photos slim aaron's photos you of her. definitely have and slim aaron's was again another maker of the it girls because he he loved photographing famous people and he very wealthy people society of all kind and once again harking back to that thing of exposure it was a way for them for us to see what they were doing because there were no paparazzi they there was no other way for people to see them but his work was very well known and and those images have become iconic Now let's talk about the 80s. This was more your time when you were my age in your early 20s. Who were the It Girls then and what did they kind of represent and tell us about society at that time? Well, again, the It Girls, there are a lot of models. So in Australia, Elle McPherson was a huge It Girl. AKA the body. The body. Um, She did this ad for Tab Cola. That was the first time I'd ever seen her walking along the beach with everyone fawning around her. And was your first thought, oh, my God, that woman's stolen my legs? I wish. (laughs) My legs, my boobs, my everything. She was absolutely gorgeous. TMI. Um, But a fascinating one to me was Cornelia Guest. Mm. Now, her mother was the very famous CZ Guest. Now, you've heard of Truman Capote, of course. Yes. Wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's. Wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's. Very famous, very strange individual. But anyway, I digress. He had a group of women that he called his swans and they were his it girls. They were all very high-class American, high-society women. Yeah, Upper East Side, New Yorkers. Upper East Side, Floridian, Palm Beach in the winter, all that kind of thing. One of them was CZ Guest. Again, these women are very much photographed in all of Slim Aaron's books. Yeah, and just to recap, CZ Guest was Cornelia Guest's mother and CZ Guest was friends with Truman Capote and the Swans in the 50s. So that's right. This is a bit of background. So they were kind of it girls of the 50s and 60s. So amongst those Swans, CZ Guest, Cornelia's mother was one of them. Lee Radziwill was another one who is... Carol Radziwill's mum, isn't she? From Real Housewives of New York. And more importantly than that, Jackie Onassis, Jackie Kennedy Onassis's sister... No, I think it's more important that it was Carol's mother-in-law mm. from 
I beg to differ there. I think President Kennedy's wife was... Gen Z, Gen Z beg to differ yeah. with you there too. Yeah, yeah. And again, Lee Radswell was another it girl. She was much more of an it girl than Jackie because we saw so much of Jackie, whereas Lee was quite elusive and but equally as stylish. Anyway, yeah, take back, back to, to Cornelia, Cornelia, daughter of CZ, one of the swans. I've probably lost all our listeners now with all of that. But yeah, they no, can don't give two hoots about the swans. They can go. Avenue. Well, they're it girls, let's face it. Yep, go back to the 80s, lady. So Cornelia had all the connections and she was a real party girl of the 80s. She was everywhere you wanted to be, partying with Boy George and dancing in all the nightclubs in New York in the 80s. Um, super, super famous. Yes, and what I loved, I read about her, was that she was very good friends with the designer Halston. She was. You know, not in a predatory way, but he kind of took her under his wing as a kind of godfather figure, an uncle she described him as, because I think Cece was out of her mind with Worry, probably out in the suburbs or Connecticut or somewhere, and Halston kind of kept an eye out of her while she was partying with Boy George and Madonna. Yeah, and in the age of cocaine and all of that, she was a wild party girl. Her real godfather was the Duke of Windsor and the Duchess of Windsor, Wallace Simpson. For those who don't know what that is, that was the king that abdicated because he wanted to marry the American divorcee Wallace and that is why Princess Elizabeth, uh, Princess Elizabeth, Queen, queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth became queen because her dad was actually second in line to the he throne was. but got bumped up. He was the spare. But I think that's so, you know, each it girl you're kind of beginning to say is so reflective of the era that she is from. Like Absolutely. The 80s, the greed and the power suit were what remained supreme. So naturally it, the it girl was not that artsy artist or musician's muse, the fashion girl. She was the uptown girl, the society girl, because it was greed is good, money is talking. Correct, yeah. But you could still copy her like you could have the Twiggies and the um, Edie Sedgwick's because in the 80s everyone was wearing the fake pearls and that she was just wearing the real ones. Yeah, probably donated by the former King of England. Yeah. So I have to say, though, that's about where my knowledge of It Girls ends in the 80s. I got busy then. I've stopped researching. <laughs> yeah. I stopped reading the magazine. So yeah. you need to take it over now and tell me about the It Girls of the 90s, 2000s and now. Okay, well, I wasn't born until 99, so this is still technically before my time. Research. research. Yeah, I did research this. But the 90s obviously gave us the supers and the big five were... Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista, Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington and Claudia Schiffer. But I would not say they were really it girls in that sense because they were famous for their careers as supermodels. They had so much press and they were very mainstream in that sense. They weren't reinventing the wheel. They were cool because they were famous Mm. and stunning, but they weren't it girls in my understanding an interpretation of the we phrase. didn't have to dig too far to find out what they were doing they were just too available to be it girls yeah so i you know of all the people that are 
on the internet touted as the it girls of an entire decade. I really feel like the it girl, the emblematic woman of the 90s was Chloe Sevigny. So she, if you don't know her, she's actually now made a career as an actress, a director. She's no longer an it girl. Now, I think she's a perfect it it girl because she's someone whose name I know and whose face I know, but I have no clue why. Yeah, her repertoire. So she was kind of the 60s and 80s Sedgwick brought back to life. So she was discovered in the East Village as a teenager by one of the editors of Sassy magazine, which was kind of like Dolly at that time in the US. It was very fashion forward and very informative for young girls. But she sported, again, a blonde pixie cut. She had a very unique sense of style. She worked at a thrift shop in the East Village, like had a really distinctive sense of style. And she was immediately touted as the reemergence of Edie Sedgwick and Twiggy because she was thrifting and wearing a lot of those pieces from the 60s, but in the 90s. And when that interest started to build, she got cast in the movie Kids, which was a kind of a cult classic. And that was when she was 19. And when that was coming out, there was a New Yorker article from 1994 that christened her with the It Girl title. And recently Chloe admitted that she found it really confusing getting that title and she was like why are these people wanting to interview me because she knew that she had notoriety and infamy but she was like only people in the East Village club scene know who I am like why is the New Yorker writing about me enough of the 90s because I wasn't cognizant until the 2000s so let's dive into that and I was clearly busy (laughs) you were busy giving birth (laughs) not having time for pushing a watermelon out of your hoo-ha excuse me (laughs) that's not going to make the cut I hope all right so in the 2000s again it was kind of back to the 80s again with the society with the debutantes with your Paris Hilton's it was money can I just say though Paris was definitely not an no I'm just saying that was kind of the cultural tone you know who was an it girl nikki nikki was the it girl her sister because paris was sent to the troubled teen school and she was too out there like she had a reality tv show we nikki had the style and also that uh je ne sais quoi we didn't know a lot about her so i want to draw our attention though to the new york it girls of the 2000s who actually rose to prominence fighting for the top spot in anonymous websites socialite rank and park avenue peerage (laughs) gossip girl and those actually inspired these it girls actually inspired the main two characters of gossip girl so former real housewives of new york star tinsley mortimer now i do know who that is exactly this is a not a real housewives podcast we promise but the real housewives of new york is apparently it girl adjacent um but she was the alleged inspiration behind serena vanderwoodson and she was constantly pitted against her frenemy olivia palermo who was very much the fashion girl and she was the inspiration behind blair waldorf So if you look at photos of them, if you're unfamiliar with them, the resemblance to the characters and is immediately striking. Yes. I did not know Olivia Palermo 
and Tinsley Mortimer were friends. I don't think they were friends so much as they were constantly pitted against each other on this website. So people would vote for the one that they liked the most all the time. I know who I'd vote for. Olivia. Olivia all the way. She has the best style. She does. But I remember being confused about her because when I was in year five, year six, I started reading Teen Vogue. So that would have been like 2009, 2010. And she was in every issue of Teen Vogue. And I was so confused because I was like, yes, she has a nice style, but I have no idea who she is. And I tried to Google her and work out why she kept being in Teen Vogue. And I just couldn't fathom it. She's an it girl, Charlotte. Yeah, she was probably my first introduction that, to it, a hundred percent. Yeah, because you're desperate to find out who she is. But what, I, but what? I must admit, I didn't like get her. I was like, oh, she's too preppy. Like she doesn't do it for how, twelve year old me. Where did she come from? I know nothing about her. Like, how did she? She's socially connected. Yeah, she? she's wealthy, okay. Upper East Side, New York. Okay. So that was, you know, kind of again the turn to the eighties. Yes. And later on in the two thousands and early twenty tens, I think the one that I was most connected to was British actress, model, TV presenter and contributing editor for British Vogue, bit of a theme there, Alexa Chung. Now, she was, during her kind of it girl era, Mm. the girlfriend of the Arctic Monkeys frontman, Alex Turner. Now, mum, the Arctic Monkeys were kind of an indie alternate rock band that were huge at the time and they were – Again, kind of drawing on those like 60s rock, uh, kind of harking back to the Stones and the Beatles in terms of their style and energy. And Alexa was also known for her popularization of what has been branded on TikTok now as twee fashion, which is kind of a mix of that British prep with a nod to the 60s mod silhouettes. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's been trending again on TikTok And Alexa herself, you know, tongue-in-cheek, clearly quite self-aware, in about like 2012, 2013, published a book entitled It. Now, calling it a book is a stretch because I remember I made you get it for me for Christmas and uh, there's very little text. It's not a memoir. There was just like lots of her photos and outfits and it was basically like it was basically like you know, an Instagram. It was like, here's yeah. me doing this and here's mm. an insight. I, it, don't rush out and buy it. Sorry, Alexa. Love you, girl. Nothing personal. No, you're listening. So, Charlotte, what really interests me now is I just don't see how someone can be an it girl now because of social media. We all know there is nothing elusive about <laughs> Anybody, you see what they're eating, you see how they're doing their self-care. We, we know everything. And you know what? I'm I'm okay with that. I would have been all over it if Ali McGraw had have been <laughs> on, Insta, on yes. Insta back in the day. Lapping it up. I would be lapping it up with a spoon, let me tell you. But how do you, who are the it girls now and how do they have that, do they like purposefully create that little bit of hold back. Yeah, it's so interesting because I feel like the supernova that is social media, although it existed in the 2000s with MySpace and Facebook, it really exploded in the early 2010s with Instagram and it brought with it 
an it girl adjacent concept of the influencer. Yeah. Now, not every influencer is an it girl. No, no way. They're sort of the opposite. Aren't but they? every it girl has the possibility of being an influencer, I would say. But yes, as you mentioned, social media does pose that challenge to the mystery and that like niche quality mm. to a fundament what to the fundamental part of an it girl persona because Part of being an it girl, I think, was her mystery, but also, and her being cool, but part of the gratification, I think, was that not everyone knew who she was. Yes. So it was cool to know who she was and to copy her style because it was like only if you're close to her or like if you're aware of her that makes you cooler than the average joe because you got your finger on the pulse because she's got her finger from the pulse, like six degrees in separation. Yeah, as we, we spoke about, the traditional it girl seems indifferent to media attention and that was evident in the quote from Melissa Berenson and Chloe Sevigny who were both like, I don't know what the big fuss was about. I don't get it. Yeah. Like they weren't seeking it out allegedly as far as we know. So realistically now in the age of social media and with the decline of print media, like your traditional publications being the tastemakers and it, it's unlikely that an it girl is going to be emerging from the depths of... It's not an organic it girl anymore. Well, I think they can be organic, but I think they are the people that appear to be unique and they have, have a strong sense of style. They come across as really relaxed and authentic in their mm. social media presence and they still do, as you said, hold something back. They're, right. you know you're still always left wanting more, whether that's, that may not, they may still be sharing every waking moment of their life, but I think the it girl, you're always wanting more. So it can never be enough, even though now if she's sharing everything because she's her, it's not enough. But the, I guess the one thing that ties them all together is style, isn't it? It's, mm. it's the way... It's that charisma. It's it's more than just their clothes, isn't it? It's the way they wear their clothes. I think mm. that's what makes them popular is people see their style and the way they wear them and their fashion and they then want to wear that as a way to gain proximity to the it girl and her essence. Yeah. But that doesn't mean if you buy the outfit and replicate no. it exactly, you're going to be you're, like her. But it's the it's the only thing you can do. It's the only bit of her charisma you're going to get. Yeah. Now, I would say there are two people that kind of stick out to me as people that are ostensibly influencers. Okay. But I would say are the modern iteration of It Girls. Obviously, this is my opinion. You may disagree, but... I'm if correct. I even know who they are. No, I'm talking to the general population, oh, okay. mother. Right. Don't expect you to know these people. Good. Um, but first of all, we have Emma Chamberlain, who started out on YouTube as just a Californian high schooler from San, suburb of San Fran, would share, you know, her going to the shops and she would share her coffee run. And she blew up because I feel like she really created social media in its like authentic post Mm. Instagram perfection age that Gen Z love Mm. her YouTube videos from like 2017, 2018 onwards. I feel like really 
changed the way younger people use social media. And I think it's a, she's a real, and her style of using social media and her authenticity and honesty, talking about mental health, et cetera. It helps draw the line between the way I would say millennials and Gen Z use social media. Okay. I would say like millennials grew up with Instagram being very perfectionistic, very mm. artistic. Curated. Curated. And that's not to say that still doesn't happen, but I think most people from my generation are more like sharing more of themselves and their personality. And she's very open and upfront. Now she rose to such fame and she also had an incredible sense of style that was founded in op shopping and thrifting. Can I just say with her too, and something about mm. a lot of these it girls like Alexa Chung and Chloe, how Seven, do Seven, yeah. I don't know. I'm not French. Yeah. Um, even Marissa Berenson, they're not traditionally beautiful. Often they're harsh. Sorry, Emma. They're no, they're very, very. I would say fascinating to look at and attractive, and obviously desirable because they're it girls. But often they're not the most sort. I of, think they have. I agree. I think they have distinctive features. Yes. They're not a cookie cutter representation, which I think is also very Alluring. key. Well, it's also very key in this era where you know there's the concept of the Instagram face where people end up getting the same plastic surgeries to look like yeah. influencers. So you end up having a face or people get mm. plastic surgeries to mimic how they look with an Instagram filter. Yeah. They have so, interesting faces. Yeah. A hundred percent through starting in that authentic way. She's now become a fashion darling. She was picked up in 2019 by Louis Vuitton. Wow. And sent on trips and taken to fashion shows and now she's hosting the Met now she hosts the red carpet Met Gala. But she hasn't changed her face to be no full she, of injectables and Which is fine if that's what you want to do. But absolutely. she's still uh, absolutely true to her sense of style. But she has copped some flack for people being like, well you don't post on YouTube anymore. You're caught up in the fashion world and all that stuff. Well, she's allowed to grow up. Yeah and I mean she shared a lot of her mental health struggles, a lot of her daily life since she was a teenager. It's like, I think it's fair when you're that big to, and been doing it for that many years to pull back and want some privacy because I am certain she's had stalkers and break-ins and all Mm. that kind of stuff. Like when you get that popular, obviously it has its downsides. Yeah. Now the other person, and I would say my personal eat girl is Swedish, Angel Matilda Jerf, who gained popularity through posting pictures of her gap year in, I think, 2016, where she traveled to Australia, actually, and I think South America. Now, she had an immediately interesting sense of style that was characterized by men's clothing, baggy, Mm. but kind of tucked in, looked effortless, and she made it look feminine. But unlike... She, she is disproving what I just said. She is actually extremely traditionally beautiful. She has the factor of being Swedish and foreign and she remains a bit mysterious in that mm. sense because she's not part of the LA influencer scene kind of thing. She's and not she's not an actress or a singer. Or no, she's... she was just a normal girl, like upper middle class, middle class from the suburbs of... I think outside of Stockholm and obviously she was beautiful and everyone 
her outfits, everyone wanted she it on the their mm. Pinterest boards because she was able to – her boyfriend was a photographer. Right. So well, – that helps. Yeah. He's still a current boyfriend and now her business partner in Jeff Avenue, their clothing brand. But she, I think, has been unique in the sense that she really – her platform is based on positivity and telling – people about some of the harder times in her life saying how she dealt with orthorexia anorexia you know she really promotes body diversity and body positivity in her fashion label jerf avenue she has models of all different shapes and sizes you know models with disabilities um with a colostomy bag like you know uh, models with down syndrome you know really showing that everyone can wear the and clothes. It, and everyone's beautiful. I think she has kind of made being kind her platform and not being kind of above it. She responds to so many comments on TikTok and Instagram. She always comments words of encouragement. And, you know, she talked openly about having an unplanned pregnancy sca- uh, where she had an ectopic pregnancy and, and nearly died. And she was like, well, this is something no one talks about and it can happen if you're a young woman. So she kind of, I have no idea her personality, but the personality that she does reveal seems very kind and sweet and nurturing. That's why she's an it girl to you. You have no idea of her personality. A hundred percent. But it's like what she does reveal to me was, and I think obviously many millions of other people agree, is beyond her aesthetic veneer that I respond to with her style and her being gorgeous and having the best hair I've ever laid eyes on. She comes across as kind and gentle and, but, and she's been hugely successful. Like Jerf Avenue, her brand launched in 2019 with her and her boyfriend Rasmus. They've been together since high school, which is so cute. So what happened was in 2021. So two years after the brand launched, they made $8 million in revenue. And last year in 2022, the New York times did a big, right up on her and this projected sales figures for 2022 were 22 million i went back and checked wow. what their figures actually ended up being they were actually 34 million dollars wow. an extra 12 million dollars on top of that kindness is cool and can make you millions of dollars and it can get- <laughs> if you're a beautiful swedish blonde but i think the thing is like her lifestyle is effortless in and cool and it doesn't seem too out of reach. And even if you can't afford her brand, which is quite as expensive, you can go to Vinnie's and buy an oversized blazer yeah. and wear it with your white sneakers. Yes. And, you know, a pair of thrifted suit well, pants. There you go. It's that it girl thing. There's something elusive yet something attainable. Good on her. I could get on board with following her as, as an it girl. No, I love her. She actually um, commented on one of my TikToks when I – wore an outfit from Jeff Avenue. So we're friends. Can I just talk about that it girls can be, your it girls are going to change with your life. So I have my own set of it girls now. One of them you introduced me to on TikTok. She was doing, dressing up with her mother, with her daughter, sorry. And um, she just seemed really cool and again it girlish <laughs> tell the audience who that is mm. larissa mills potter mills potter mills yeah. yeah and ella potter mills is her daughter yeah so they started doing the fit checks which inspired 
us to get on my TikTok and do the mother-daughter fit checks. We did a few of those. Let's talk about also the it girls. At school? No, well, I think there are, to (laughs) me, don't you think there are those people that are just like your girl crushes and they are the people that are just like famous to you? They might be like a friend of a friend that you're just like in love with. They're perfect. You don't really know everything about them. You're not close friends. Yeah. And you're just like, everything they wear is perfect. I know. Like, I want to copy that. They're your own personal celebrities, I call it. So I've had two or three through my life. There was one at high school and um, my my close friends would know who she was, but I'm not going to name her. But I would still be fascinated to see. She just had the best style and she was lovely. And then there were just local girls who I would see out and about and just think, oh, I love everything she wears every day and she seems so cool. So, yeah, I love the real life fit girl as well. And I think also we have to acknowledge that maybe in today's day and age, if we look at it girl in one way, it can be reductive and demeaning, a bit exclusionary. And because there's no real male equivalent, maybe it's a bit sexist. Mm. I think it really is a label used by women to describe other women who hold appeal for them. I agree. It's not about a woman that appeals to men often. Yeah, I think it kind of is against the male gaze a lot of the time. Love your work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Love your wisdom. Amazing input from (laughs) mum. Let's. That's enough of that. Let's let's wrap up. Yeah, we've got a new puppy to care for. Okay, what are we doing? TikToking. What are we doing? We're podcasting. Oh, jeez, you're losing it. Well, Mum, second episode in the bag. In the bag. Thanks for doing this on Mother's Day. You're welcome. So, Mum, what do we need our listeners to do now? They need to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. They need to leave us five-star glowing reviews, tell their friends, share, share, share. And we thank you so much for listening. We're also on TikTok and Instagram. That is all linked in the show notes. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.